welcome to Here's the Deal. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am interviewing Dr. Stacy Sims. Stacy is an applied researcher, innovator, and entrepreneur in human performance, specifically sex differences in training, nutrition, and environmental conditions. Hopefully you have already listened to her TED Talk, Women Are Not Small Men. She's also the author of Roar, How to Match Your Food and Fitness to Your Unique Female Physiology for Optimum Performance, Great Health, and a Strong Lean Body for Life. She's also the leading researcher in women's physiology and performance. I personally just finished one of Stacy's courses, Menopause for the Female Athlete, and recently started another course of hers, Women Are Not Small Men. To say this woman is an expert is an understatement. She is the person. Not only is she doing the research, she is getting the word out. And in my opinion, she is changing the world and the way we view aging as females. So in this episode, we are specifically talking about perimenopause, what is happening in the perimenopausal body, and what you can do from a nutrition and strength training standpoint to work with your body's changing physiology. So in this episode, we are going to cover strength training. We're going to cover protein high-intensity training, gut health, stress management. You are going to learn something from this episode and you're going to walk away feeling empowered so that you know it is possible to feel and look your best in the second half of your life. And then also very exciting, she has a new book that is out on pre-order. It's called Next Level, Your Guide to Kicking Ass, Feeling Great, and Crushing Your Goals through menopause and beyond. So look for that on Amazon. And then also check out Stacy on Instagram at Dr. Stacy Sims. That's D-R-S-T-A-C-Y-S-I-M-S. And then of course her courses online at her website, drstacysims.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. <laughs> all right welcome back to the show everyone it's been a couple weeks since I recorded but we are coming back with the big bang and I was just telling uh, my husband last night this is probably the last episode because I don't know how I can top you Stacy <laughs> like unless I talk to Oprah next I don't know how I can do any better so today no. we are talking to Dr. Stacy Sims specifically about perimenopause. And before we dive into that, um, I assume everyone knows who you are from your TED Talk and from your books, but or your book, Roar. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Stacey? Oh, I'm Jara's mom. <laughs> That's right? how I always yeah. started. Like, I'm a mom. Um, yeah, but before I became a mom, and um, I'm a female athlete performance physiologist and nutrition scientist. So those are big fancy words to saying that my entire career, I've been in an academic setting where people have been like, why do you want to study women? We don't know enough about men. And of course, there's no difference. And when you really start digging into it, you're like, hold on. Of course, there are differences. Let's look at the methodology of these studies when you're saying there's no evidence because it's poorly done. So it's been my 
um, I guess, be in my bonnet and really poking my finger into the beehive to say, hey, wait a second, women are not small men, which is, of course, my tagline. Then let's look at the research, let's dig into it. And if it's not appropriately done, then let's not generalize. And then when we look at some of the studies that are done, they're all done in the low hormone phase, primarily of normally cycling women mm -hmm. who are young or women who are completely on an oral contraceptive pill to delineate and like control hormone profile. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't equate to so many women out there, especially if we start getting into the perimenopause stage. Absolutely. I mean, so would you say, I feel like you are the one and you were the one that has led the way with this research. Was anyone doing it before, before you were that bee in the bonnet? <laughs> like, was anyone else poking, doing this? Poking, poking. Um, a few, but we've all kind of been relegated. Like, there's a lot of politics and publication and stuff as well. So we know that if you are a female principal investigator, you'll have less of a chance of getting your papers published. But as soon as you put a male voice on there, you have a better chance. And there have been a few of us across the years who have been pushing and pushing and pushing, but it's really just in the past four or five years where women have finally stood up and said, hey, wait a second, I have a menstrual cycle, mm -hmm. where there's been this huge investigation into research, what the evidence is, how we're doing it. Um, so now there's maybe one, two, three, four, six, six groups of us, okay. as opposed there might have been like four individuals. So the groups have now, because those of us who are leading the groups have now older in our career, and now we have PhD students and we have collaborators, but there's still not a lot of people out there pushing this. And to say, I know. Considering we're be... more than half the population. Exactly, exactly. There's one um, guy, Anthony, um, I just, why did I blank on his last name? Because I was just talking to him last night. He's at UNC's Professor Hackney, Anthony Hackney. Sorry, Anthony. And he's been doing um, metabolic research in female athletes and, and showing all these differences for years and years and years and years. But no one's really acknowledged it. I'm like, well, he's a full, he is a full professor and doing this research and still isn't getting a lot of traction until recently. Wow. So it's not just the, you know, the bias of male versus female PI, but it's also a bias of the publications and really just that male lens of, mm -hmm. yeah, not a lot of people want to care about women. So we're just going to focus on these male outcomes. Yeah, it's easier not to. So then yeah. when did you make this shift also into researching perimenopause? Was it just a natural evolution? No. Um, so, gosh, backtracking a bit. So I was finishing my PhD and I was offered a job at Stanford. So I made the jump back to the States. And when I was in this job, I was like, eh, it's not that fantastic. So um, I also had the availability to apply for a postdoc with Marcia Stefanik. And she is, was the principal investigator for the Women's Health Initiative. Mm. Um, and so when I became her postdoc, I was able to put one hand into peri and postmenopause and have one hand still in human performance. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we are trying to investigate is what are the physiological lead-ins to a hot flash? Mm -hmm. And what are some of the exercise mechanisms that we can look at to help alleviate hot flashes? And that's when I really first started looking at what's going on. Because the people that were coming in 
were relatively sedentary, but then those who were fitter had different responses. And when we started looking at how can we change, what kind of interventions we can do, there were so many different responses between sedentary, normal weight, sedentary, obese, and fit women. Mm-hmm. And fit being measured by VO2 max testing not, and a little bit of body comp. Um, but then the questions that kept coming up from the women who were fit was, how can I improve my fitness and change my body comp? Because things aren't working for me how they used to. Mm-hmm. So that was, what what is it now, 2021? So that was around 20... 10, 2009, 2010. Okay. Um, so yeah, and then that started the real like, okay, really want to look at that. But then as some of my teammates and stuff started retiring into more of coaching, but they still wanted to stay fit and they were having these kinds of issues as well. It's like, oh, okay, this is, there's something here. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing it and talking about it for a very long time as well. But now it's like, okay, there's this huge upsurge of women who are in their early to mid 40s who are still really active and competitive. And this is the fastest growing population mm-hmm. in that active and competitive set. And they're like, wait a second. Not only is the training that I used to do not working for me, but now I realize that it was probably through a male lens. And now I'm going through all these other hormonal changes. What's going on? Oh, it's fascinating. And I have to say, after doing your course, the perimenopause for the, the female athlete, I, I am not yet in perimenopause. I'm 42. I'll be 43 in January. But I feel uh, so hopeful. I'm not dreading it by any means because of what I've learned from you. I feel empowered. I feel like I've got an arsenal that I can utilize. So I keep feeling and looking my best no matter how old I am. Yay. Yeah. yeah that's, the, that's the goal, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And we know that... The earlier you understand it and start putting in changes, then the less chance you have of becoming that media idea of what a perimenopause, postmenopausal woman looks like. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So in case anyone doesn't know, can you explain what's happening in this perimenopause timeframe with our hormones? Like why are our bodies, for a lot of people's bodies, all of a sudden, like just acting out on them, they feel yeah, we're returning soft and squishy overnight. Yes. <laughs> so um, estrogen and progesterone, they affect every cell of our body for the most part. Um, and when we start having hormone changes, not necessarily absolute concentrations, but the ratios of estrogen and progesterone start changing. And when we have that change, then they no longer antagonize or counter each other or help each other. So then we start seeing that we might have a little bit of estrogen dominance. So what does estrogen dominance entail? It entails more bloating, more mood disorder, more anxiety, um, a little bit more body fat that's coming up um, because progesterone is not there to counter some of the responses from a carbohydrate standpoint that facilitate body fat gain. Then sometimes we have a higher surgence of progesterone in a high hormone phase and then This also counters, like we end up with more um, catabolic state inflammation. So it's kind of all over the show. Whereas we used to have pretty regular pulses in our natural cycle. We have normal ratios and they understand and they help each other. So we can build lean mass, we can change our diet, we get responses. But when we start having these hormone flux and these changes in ratios, we start seeing all sorts of body comp and um, cognitive and reactive changes. So we need to look at what do we need to do from an external stress point 
to kind of do what those hormones used to do when they're in balance mm -hmm. and also prepare our body for when these hormones are flatlined. Mm -hmm. And so after listening to you, different podcasts you've been on and then at like the feisty menopause, like the summit that they had, there's a lot of things like everything you were talking about with the hormones. I feel like women could potentially just their eyes roll back in their head if they're not familiar with those things. But there's really some tactical things, easy, if you will, that we can do to, to work with our body's changing physiology. It's not, I mean, it's going to take effort, but these things aren't hard or crazy. It's not like you have to stand on your head and drink certain supplements in order to right, 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 exactly. ratios. So here's what yeah. I took away. Correct me if I'm wrong. Let's add whatever you think. So things that we need to be doing, lifting heavy, which that's relative to yep. each individual, eating our protein, focusing on our gut health. And I want to talk a lot more about gut health with you, I'm managing our stress, and then understanding that this is definitely a, not a, an instance where it's about eat less and exercise more. Exactly. And then the one other thing is get out of the long, slow distance. Ah, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's staying out of that moderate intensity zone, that gray zone that increases cortisol stress. It doesn't encourage fat burning. Um, the other thing with the dietary intake is fasted training. Oh God. Because, yeah. right. Cause not only does it increase cortisol and it's not beneficial, but we also know that fasted training in women, it actually blunts the body's ability to use fat at rest. So it's counterproductive. I have to tell you something. So I made a reel about this. You would not yeah. believe the comments I got. I was like, oh. you need to, you know, and I was like, Oh my gosh. And I should have responded to everyone, but I couldn't help myself because the misinformation that's out there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah. Sometimes I go down that rabbit hole and then I feel awful. I'm like, what? Oh, am I wrong? Oh wait, no, I'm not wrong. I no. know this, right? right? I know it, but the comments and the negativity and the attacking that comes in the comments yeah. because you're countering the dogma that's been so instilled. Mm -hmm. It's just it's amazing. Like not in a good, amazing way, but no. a bad, amazing way. Yeah. And well, I know my I body. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's but that's crazy. why we're out here. Like, I feel like you're Joan of Arc leading the way. And then like, you have this army behind you. And, like, oh, thanks. <laughs> we have to like change the narrative. Yeah, I know we do. Totally. So, let's yeah. talk about lifting. I love to lift. That's my thing. I'm not an endurance athlete, like a, a lot of the women that you work with. And I feel like that makes probably my case even easier because I don't have to factor in long distance yeah. training sessions, but why is lifting so important in this phase of our life and always, but especially in perimenopause? Yeah. So, um, I love lifting too. So it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, so what happens in perimenopause when our hormones start to change and, and, um, we have a misstep in the ratios is estrogen is responsible for the myosin chain, um, of muscle protein, contraction, I guess. It's also responsible for muscle synthesis. Um, and when we start to have a misstep in our ratios, we start to have times where estrogen is too low, we lose some neuromuscular stimulus. We lose that fast twitch ability. Mm -hmm. And we also start to get a signaling to put on the serial fat. So that's that deep abdominal um, mus or deep abdominal adipose tissue. And when we're looking at lifting heavy, it does what estrogen used to do. So we're looking at stimulating more neuromuscular um, strength and fast twitch fiber action because 
we're trying to recruit more fibers for every nerve that is stimulating those muscle fibers. The more you lift heavy, the more you get this neural contraction that maintains power, that maintains integrity of that muscle fiber. And when we're looking at that heavy lifting as well, it's a metabolic stress that is going to signal our body to repair and to actually get more of that fiber in a really good integral um, guess composition so that when you have that strong contraction again mm -hmm. it can handle it awesome. so it's not about ripping the fiber and hypertrophy it's about the recruitment and the strength of those fibers that are being recruited i love that differentiation i hadn't thought about it like that before very cool yeah because well, women are like i don't want to lift heavy i'm going to get bulky yeah. like, no you won't trust me you won't <laughs> Right. You and I would be bulky by now. If yeah, we would... I, know. I know. Well, and then you can't build muscle without eating enough protein, but protein is even more important, I feel, in this perimenopause oh, yeah. and postmenopause time frame. Yeah, for sure. Because um, we know with age, there's anabolic resistance. So we already have that against us. And then we start looking at some of the metabolic shifts that are happening and increased amount of stress that the body's under because of these changes, the body is using a lot of amino acids just to counter some of the inflammation, immune responses, um, trying to supply more amino acids for this greater catabolic state when you're in this perimenopausal state. Uh, and then when you couple that with anabolic resistance that happens with this hormone shift, we need to really look at dosing protein mm -hmm. as um, immediately after exercise as well as regular doses throughout the day. Mm -hmm. um, we looking at some of the research and in, in looking at uh, maximum protein uptake. We hear a lot of people, oh, well, I can't take more than 20 grams because it's not absorbed. When you look specifically at the research in peri and postmenopausal women, the action of lifting resistance training increases the metabolic demands of those muscle fibers, mm -hmm. which then allows the body to uptake more protein to use it for muscle protein synthesis. So when we're looking at building lean mass, we need to really dose up, not with 20 grams, but we're looking at that 35 to 40 gram dose mm -hmm. that we need because we have this increased metabolic um, stress from the muscle fiber. And that coupled with um, the body's need for protein enhances that, that amino acid uptake into muscle protein synthesis. Mm -hmm. So the easier way to say it is you lift heavy, you have protein, you get lean mass. If you lift heavy and you don't have adequate protein, you don't get lean mass. And going back to the fasting, here's what kills me, Stacey. You already know, but I have to talk it for other people. So let's say you don't break your fast until noon, but you worked out at eight o'clock in the morning. You just, you're pointless. You might as well not have even worked exactly. out. Yes. Exactly. I know. <laughs> I get so frustrated with fasting. Um, yes. Not only because, you know, it doesn't do what, the mass media says it does for women mm -hmm. but also we're already in such a, a high stress breakdown state or catabolic state mm -hmm. and if you're doing fasted exercise you're increasing that time in that breakdown catabolic state mm -hmm. and that means that your body's not ever going to get a signal to build lean mass right. to get 
out of that inflammatory response. Mm -hmm. In order to build lean mass, we need abundance. And I'm not saying overeating. I'm mm -hmm. saying that the body needs to recognize the fact that there's fuel available mm -hmm. for general health, but also to overcome the exercise stress. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you on the fasting. It frustrates yeah. me because the mechanisms don't work in women, especially in that peri and postmenopausal state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just have to keep educating. I think that's the only way. And then say, yeah. look at look at Stacy because sometimes they they won't listen. Well, look at look at example A <laughs> and example B. They know they know what they're talking about. <laughs> look so, at Aaron Carson. Look like, at Aaron Carson. Exactly. I know. I know. Oh, awesome. So I know. the other, I mean, you could probably have an entire course on gut health and perimenopause. This. I was like, okay, how can I make sure we deliver this in a way that is digestible for clients, uh, but drives home the importance of it? Because it's not just about digestion. It's about mm -hmm. all these mood swings that the women are experiencing. It's about the anxiety and the depression. Um, so let's start talking about, about gut health and what we can do to optimize our gut health in perimenopause. Yeah. So there's, I'll talk about the upper, then the lower intestine. Okay. So, okay. Um, so the upper intestines, the small intestines, um, there is bacteria in there as well, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about affecting mood, body composition, that kind of stuff. But you do want to take care of that gut. Mm -hmm. And the way that we do that is using creatine. So oh. for looking at three to five gram doses of creatine, not only does it improve the mucosal lining of that gut. So people who have GI issues, they have um, issues with having to have um, potty stops when they're running, you know, so a little bit of IBS. If you're using creatine, it just keeps that mucosal lining from eroding. So mm -hmm. that means you have less gut leakage, which maintains integrity of that small intestine. The other thing that creatine does is it helps with neurotransmitters and helps alleviate the big mood swings that we have in perimenopause mm. because our brain is heavily energetic meaning that uses a lot of of that fast energy and creatine is needed for that now when we talk about the lower intestines and this is what most people are thinking about when we talk about gut microbiome that is where we really have to consider what kind of foods we're eating mm -hmm. so if we are eating a lot of fibrous fruit and veg whole grains and we're getting all that that really good deep fiber into that deep gut that's the food for the bacteria and when we're eating that fiber that encourages the growth of the bacteria that we want that is beneficial for maintaining a lean physique mm -hmm. when we eat a lot of simple carbohydrates or we have a lot of fasting going on it encourages the growth of the bacteria from acutes and acutes is associated with obesity mm -hmm. And there's lots of um, studies out there that are looking at like fecal transplants for people who have really bad infections and they have to have a complete microbiome reset. Mm -hmm. And if the donor has a higher firmicutes um, to bacteriotes ratio, mm -hmm. then the person receiving will end up with a higher body fat that they can't change because of the bacteria ratio. So not only is it important to really look at the types of carbohydrates that we're eating, um, for gut health, the other aspect is we become more insulin resistant as we get older because of estrogen and progesterone changing, which are usually uh, good for maintaining glucose homeostasis. So we want to really impact blood sugar control and we want to impact body composition. We have to take care of our gut. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. We have to eat a lot of fibery fruit and veg. We also know that if you have that good diversity of good bacteria in the gut, it enhances the production of BNF. So it's a brain neurotrophic uh, peptide. And this is good for brain health, which helps um, you know, prevent dementia, Alzheimer's. It also helps if you have concussion and it also helps with mood and mood swings. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that we know are interconnected with that deep gut microbiome. And you can't take an over-the-counter type probiotic because that's not what we're talking about. No. And when you're taking that probiotic over-the-counter, you're increasing the bacteria in that upper intestines, and you can have a misstep in those ratios as well. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about taking care of the whole gut, mm -hmm. we want to talk about the foods that we're eating. What about, this is the part that I had, a, a, I had to like listen to it five times when you were referring to the serotonin, like we think extra serotonin is a good thing, but it's actually so much that we can't deal with it. Yeah. Can yeah. you talk about that? Yeah. So there's a tight interplay between estrogen, serotonin, and tryptophan. And we often hear about tryptophan after a turkey and mm -hmm. making us very sleepy, right? So when estrogen crosses the blood brain barrier, we have not only um, the E2 receptors or estrogen receptors stimulated, but it also hypersensitizes serotonin receptors. So it makes the receptors um, able to take up more serotonin and more serotonin can be attached to that. So it creates a lot of serotonin activity in the brain. When estrogen drops suddenly, then that serotonin drops off suddenly too, which causes this huge like whoa depression. Also, when we get into peri and postmenopause, there's a changeover in dopamine and dopamine effects. So we end up with more of a flat line of dopamine, which usually balances out the serotonin. When we look at how tryptophan plays into that, in order to cross the blood-brain barrier, there are certain transport mechanisms. So serotonin and tryptophan are precursor. Well, I should say ser serotonin comes from tryptophan. So if you're having more amino acid of that tryptophan crossing the brain, as well as estrogen in the brain, you have a lot of serotonin, and then we end up with that issue. Mm -hmm. But tryptophan and leucine use the same transport mechanism. So if you have a lot of circulating amino acids and a lot of circulating leucine, leucine will take the place of tryptophan and attenuate that serotonin response because the brain prefers leucine over tryptophan. So if you have a lot of circulating amino acids, or if you're having a lot of issues with anxiety and depression, mm -hmm. topping up with branched-chain amino acids and essential amino acids really helps with that neurotransmitter swing and helps moderate mood and mood disorder. Um, so do you recommend supplementing with a leucine supplement, or can you get it all from your diet? You can get it from your diet. Uh, sometimes when you're looking at how much per people need, then topping up with a protein supplement is good. Um, I often will use a branch chain and essential amino acid powder mm -hmm. in my drink if I'm going poolside or I know I have a lot of, of work that I need to do in the afternoon and I'm having a little bit of that downward slide. Mm -hmm. um, and it just helps bring up that cognitive focus and kind of helps eliminate that brain fog and that, and that really flat depressive aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's because when I get highly stressed, I forget to eat. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to make sure we talked about this because 
since we started our program today, everyone's doing their introductions. And our question is, you know, what, what are you experiencing? And I'm just reading this and I'm like, whoa, whoa, this sucks. (laughs) People are really struggling in terms of their anxiety, depression, mood swings, brain fog, and all of that. So if we can help these women in any way, like I'm all for it. This is fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people, I was going to say when people are trying to get on top of it, then supplementing first with the branch chain amino acids, while you're trying to get on top of it Mm -hmm. is really good while you're fixing diet. So it's like, kind of like when you go to the physician and they're like, Oh wait, we need to give you this medication to stabilize. And then we can taper you off. So we look at using adaptogens in that way. We look at using branch chain amino acids in that way to really help get through this. So everything else will kind of fall into place and then you can taper off using this stuff. Awesome. So the other thing that I know my gals are going to be like, wait a minute, Kylie, you've been telling us not to do HIT, but now you're saying that I need to do high intensity. And I'm like, yes, because it's actual true HIT. It's not like a 30 minute Orange Theory class or F45. (laughs) So can you tell us about the difference between a true HIT versus, I don't even know what we call that now, because now I understand it. It's not HIT. It's just a circuit class. So what is high intensity? It is a circuit class. Yeah. And why do we need this high intensity? So it's... Yeah. So it's full gas. I'm using cycling speak where you're going full gas. Yeah. So we need to polarize our training, right? So when we're going hit that high intensity and sprint interval training, that's at top, top end where people like, Oh, I'm going to vomit like that. I don't know if a lot of people actually push themselves that hard because they're like, Oh my gosh, I have a 45 minute class to get through. Mm When we're talking about hit, you're talking about like a 10 minute warm up. Then you have 10 to 15 minutes of, of these polarized aspects of high, 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 full gas interval with really low, low, low recovery. So if we're looking, um, if we do wattage or something like that on, on a bike, then you're looking at you know, 20 to 30 seconds at 250 to 300 watts and then recovering at 85 watts. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge difference. It's this huge polarization. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at rating of perceived exertion, you're nine or 10 mm-hmm. and then you're recovering at that two to three. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that you can hit that nine or 10 or that really high, high, high intensity for most of those intervals. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you are like full gas, full gas, and then completely drop off and you end up in that moderate zone, mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to be in that moderate zone. The reason why we want that such a polarized aspect of training and stay out of that gray zone is again, we're trying to teach the body and cause an epigenetic change from the exposure of that high intensity to increase the amount of carbohydrate that goes into the muscle and the liver, mm-hmm. to reduce visceral fat gain, to keep that explosive power and that high intensity work that we lose and that capacity that we lose when we lose estrogen progesterone. And if we're looking at what a normal F45 or Orange Theory class does, it puts you in that gray zone where it's too hard to be easy and it's too easy to be hard mm-hmm. and it perpetuates cortisol increase and it doesn't give those stressors to make these body composition and metabolic changes. Mm-hmm. And when we look at what the recommendations are for peri and postmenopause women of 150 minutes of moderate intensity activity a week, I'm like, what? No, no. that is so wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's so counter the research. Mm -hmm. Even when we look at moderate intensity with resistance training, 
you don't get a body composition change. You get increased cardiovascular changes and increased cardiovascular fitness, no body composition change because it's not polarized enough and it's not a strong enough stress mm -hmm. to instigate these changes that we want from that metabolic standpoint to really signal lean mass gain, body fat down. Mm -hmm. And so these intervals, like, I don't know if people really understand what that max effort is. Like you can't go for longer than 30 seconds at your max effort, right? Mm -mm. Correct. Right. So, so a session like, like this would last, what you said, your warm up, 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah, because if you're having that 30 seconds of full blast, mm -hmm. then you want that recovery to be like a minute 30. Mm -hmm. So that when it's time to do that 30 seconds again, you can actually, you recovered enough to be able to hit that high, high intensity. So it's that full gas really recover. And that recovery isn't, oh, I can go a little bit harder. It's like really, really flush everything out and then boom on it again. That's awesome. I'm kind of looking forward to implementing that. I haven't done any sort of high intensity work in a very long time, you know, but Ooh, I'm like, fun. Oh. yeah, you know, it's like, it's, it's fun when your goals change and you do something yeah. different, but you're doing it for yeah. the right reasons. Um, right. So yeah, it's like, oh, 30 cool. seconds of box jumps. Go. Yeah. go. <laughs> you should see this video I have of me doing <laughs> box jumps. You know, they're really mental at a certain point. Oh my God. Totally. Yeah, like it's embarrassing. And I have the whole thing on video because I wanted everyone to see that even trainers and coaches struggle with things. And yeah, um, yeah it's, it's comical. I struggle. I struggle with box jumps. So Good. like I'll, I'll go to the gym and they'll do this like inadvertent filming. And there's me on this like little tiny box doing box jumps is a wooden box, but I'll come home and I have like the ply, the soft plyo box and I can do the 20. I can't do more than 20 at the moment because I'm so afraid of whacking at my shins and getting hurt. Yes. If it's right? not a so, soft box, I don't want any part of it. No. So the little tiny, little, little wooden box at the gym, like, oh, I can jump up. Yay. But I like look around and people like doing the 20, 24, 32, like, there's no way I could with that, with that wooden box. No. So as much as a, yeah, it's so mental. And then sometimes on the plyo box, I'm like, uh, I'm too tired. <laughs> well, but, and to your point though, I mean, you were saying it's okay if we can't do those big box jumps, like a small jump will do skipping right. will do. So I think that's yeah. great. Cause if you haven't skipped in a while, like you can't help but be happy also when you skip. I know, I know. <laughs> Use it as a warm up, right? Like the people are laughing at me because I'm like skipping down the road. I'm like whoop, whoop, skipping down the road, listening to my music, and then I'll get into like some running intervals. And people are like, "What were you dancing?" I'm like, "No, no, I'm jumping. I'm skipping. I'm bringing my knees up. I'm being a little kid." <laughs> Your neighbors are like, "Oh, there's Stacy again." <laughs> yeah, I know. They're like, "What is that weird woman doing?" But, She's American. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, what's that crazy American doing? Um, yeah. But I also, you know, I'm now at the age where I don't care what people think. Oh my God. Yeah. Best ever. Do you mind if I ask how old you are? Ooh, that's, <laughs> I'm in my late 40s. So <laughs> yeah. I'm... Around there. We I'm... all are the same age now. Yeah, I, I know. Like to say I'm, I'm staring adult. down that fifth. Yeah, I'm an adult. Yep. Yep. Very much so. And it's, it's wonderful so, because yeah. you're in such great shape. I mean, you are an athlete. And just shifting that conversation that once we turn 45, we like, we can't be strong, athletic, sexy, whatever your thing is that you want to be. doesn't matter how mm -hmm. old you are. No. And I have friends who are like, oh, well, uh, you know, I've got 
kids and I got this and I don't really want to do that. I'm like, you have 20 minutes. Come on, let's go. 20 minutes, high intensity, boom, you got time. Seriously, we all have time. What's the alternative? I know. I'm like, what's the alternative? Yeah, we have the second half of our lives. I mean, I feel like you, because I've heard you talk about it, are going to be at least 100 years old. Unfortunately, yeah. But that's the thing. I want, if I'm going to live to be that long, because that's in my genes, I want to be like Sister Mary Madonna, who's like 90 doing Iron Man. I don't really want to do Iron Man, but you know, have the capacity to have a really good quality of life if I'm 90 or 100, not in a wheelchair, not being able to do anything. No, that's the way. Yeah. So the last couple of things, um, we talk about this a lot on our podcast, but it's especially true now with perimenopause. This is not the time to eat less and exercise more, even though everything in your body is probably telling you that everything that you're reading is telling you that your doctor might even be telling you that, but because here's my take on it. The worst thing we could do at this point in our life is lower our resting metabolic rate. Exactly. So, so people, you know, when you eat less and exercise more, this, that's essentially what you do. You don't lose Mm -hmm. fat and build muscle. So can you expand more on this? Yeah, so I really hate the adage of calories in, calories out in the active population. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the times there's that misstep where, again, people into mentality of the 80s, you know, fat burning, let's not eat, let's delay our food. And the bottom line is if you don't have food coming in when your body needs it, then your body starts to downturn everything saying, I'm in a starvation. Like there's no calories coming in, so I need to conserve them. Mm-hmm. So this is when we start looking at calories in, calories out. It becomes more about the timing of the food coming in. Mm-hmm. So you want to fuel what you're doing. You want to fuel before you do your morning session. You want to fuel after it. And then if you feel like, oh, I might have a little bit I need to to lose, which I don't really like that mentality, but there are people who are there. Mm-hmm. Then it's away from training. It's like take away that afternoon or evening snack. Don't eat after dinner. So it's more about the timing of your food and making sure that you have nutrition coming in when your body's under a lot of stress, Mm -hmm. exercise stress, daily stress. And it's, we need that abundance. Like I said earlier, we need abundance in order to signal to our body to build lean mass, Mm -hmm. to um, not store body fat. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the other things that, you know, everyone has a buzz about intermittent fasting. And we know from some research that's just come out that if you are normal weight and you do intermittent fasting, the first thing to go is your lean mass. Because when you're under a lot of stress and you're in this this breakdown state, which is what happens if you're not fueling appropriately, you're not bringing in enough food, mm-hmm. first thing to go is lean mass. Because it's, it's highly metabolically active mm-hmm. and your body's like, I'm going to break it down, one, so I can conserve metabolism calories. And two, so I can have building blocks for my immune system, for my brain, for my heart. Mm. So you need fuel. You need fuel. And it's, especially at this point in our lives, we have to work so hard to build that muscle. Don't sacrifice it. Yep, exactly. So I'll have a funny little story because why not? I'm in the mood for funny stories. Uh, Because it's starting to become summer here. Well, not really. It's so cold. Um, the daylight hours are longer. I'm like, oh, I really want to do this um, 18K trail run. And I'm not run fit at all. But I'm like, okay, well, I'll start doing some more running. 
And then I went back to the gym and saw some friends I haven't seen in a while. And they're like, what happened to your ass? And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, you don't have a butt anymore. What happened? And I was like, oh, no, too much running and running, not enough heavy lifting. Your butt, your it's butt. Like, oh, no, exactly. Stupid running. So now I'm like back in the gym trying to build it. And I have this strength, but the tissue is not coming. I'm like, it's so hard to put on that tissue mass. The strength is there, but my butt is not there. And I'm so mad because it takes so much to build that tissue. Yeah. So, you know, I feel the struggle. Yes, you and do. And it's like, right? So it's like you, you put your eye and motivation to do one thing and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I need to keep lifting. And it, you are, or I am, but I wasn't focused on so much what I was doing. And I was uh -huh. like, oh, damn it. So, yeah. Well, and I love what you say too, like, eat for your training, like fuel your training and everything else will be fine. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I, because we're taking care of that, that incredible stress the body is under. Mm -hmm. And if we mitigate that stress, then the body's like, sweet, I can relax, not as much cortisol. I have stuff coming in, I'm not going to down turn my thyroid mm -hmm. i'm not going to store extra body fat because i don't need to mm -hmm. so yeah take care of what you're doing and it all follows well and i thought too um in the summit i can't remember the name of the woman i think her name was stacy also but stacy with an i she was mm -hmm. talking about in the gut health section like perimenopause is a stressor on our body it's a stressor we are fully capable of dealing with right we are strong and resilient women um, but it's a stressor. So when we're doing all these things, restricting calories and over-exercising, then it comes too much stress. Yep, so, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yep. So the last thing I think is um, the stress management part of it. And I really wanted to talk to you about this because um, I attract a, a high-performing woman. Mm -hmm. you know, so she's, she's working outside of the home and she's got kids. You know, since they're, you know, in their 40s nowadays, their kids might be young and they might be older. I don't right. know. But then they've also got the aging parents and, you know, they've been married for a while and that comes with its other stressors. So why is stress management important? Um, and how can we make these women understand that we really do have to slow down and like make stress management a priority? Yeah. I was like, are you describing me? Because that's <laughs> Yes, you are my ideal client. <laughs> okay. Hi, <laughs> stress. Ah, no, I do. Um, you know, one of the things that so many of us struggle with is being able to quiet the mind, right, and reduce that stress. We already have perturbations in our hormones that reduce our body's ability to get into that slow wave reparative sleep. So we already are struggling for more parasympathetic activation, which is super, super important for just that ah uh, moment. And our body needs those ah uh, moments in order to kind of reset and be able to be resilient to stress. So if we're in this high pressure, like lots of career stuff going on, you have teenagers, young kids, or kids who have just left house, you have aging parents, you have a long-term commitment and all these daily stressors. And you're like, wait a second, I don't have five minutes to myself, right? It builds up and then people like lose their shit. Yeah. And I don't want people to lose their shit. So we have to look at ways of implementing even five minutes of just quiet time. Maybe you're getting up 20 minutes before everyone else does mm -hmm. just to have that no noise because your body gets bombarded with so much stimulation, visual, um, audio, and you just need a time to just like mm -hmm. chill, yeah. increase that parasympathetic. And it doesn't take a lot. 
it can be five to 10 minutes a day of just taking that Zen moment of concentrating on a breath in, a breath out. How do you feel? Or you're outside five minutes at lunch and you feel the sun on your skin and you remember how that feels. So when you start to get in a high stress situation, just taking a step back and remembering what that moment in time felt like, because then it really does help activate that parasympathetic, which we so need for, again, that reparative sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, and also uh, from like a gut health perspective, if we're eating these fibrous foods and everything, like we need to be eating slowly so we can properly digest them. And I think too, when you talk about, so we need to have this abundance, mm-hmm. maybe we can also think, I have an abundance of time so I can slow, I can slow down because I have an abundance of time. I can eat this food because I can eat and my body needs this. I just, I just really want women to understand that it's okay. <laughs> slow yeah, down. Yeah. It is totally things. okay. To, yep. Yep. And one of the things that I find a lot of people do now is they're eating their meal and maybe they are sitting down to family meal, but the phone's there and, it oh, hangs yeah. and they're scrolling, right? So making an, you know, a a rule, no screens at mealtime. And then it's like, oh, this is what it tastes like. You're actually involved in what you're eating and you start to get those cues again because so many people have lost what it feels like to be full, what it feels like to be satisfied and just re-remembering or re-teaching the body to be in that moment. Mm -hmm. Because screens, man, they like people eating dinner while they're watching the news or the phones there, or they're trying to stand up and do a whole bunch of things and throw food in their mouth. And they're so disconnected from what they're doing from a nourishment standpoint. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's not taking more time. It's just being really cognizant of what you're doing in that time frame. That's a really good point. Yeah. It doesn't take any more time to eat your meal in a conscious state rather than right. multitasking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Oh, this is so good. Thank you so much. I think we hit all the big things. I mean, yes, it could be confusing what's going on with hormones. I get confused about it too. But at the end of the day, I know what I need to do. And like, we're going to lift weights. We're going to eat a wide variety of vegetables. We're going to eat our protein. We're going to do some box jumps (laughs) down the road. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But don't double whammy outside skipping happy. There you go. But don't forget the fun factor of life either. So if you want that glass of wine, have that glass of wine. You feel like you want a single malt scotch, go for it. You want some dark chocolate, go for it. Mm -hmm. It's an 80-20 rule. So 80% of the time you're spot on, 20% is fun of life. And Mm -hmm. don't feel guilty about that 20% because you're nailing what you need to do to be healthy and reach your performance potential, Mm -hmm. right? And people forget about that 20%. They stress about that 20%. Oh, I know. We, yeah, you know, again, working with who we work with, uh, that perfectionist will, part of people will rear it, rear its ugly head. Um, And I love helping people shift out of that because it's so much more fun when that part of us isn't around anymore. I know. know. (laughs) Where you, like, you want to go on the monkey bars with your people. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's fun, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, Daisy. Thank you so much for, I mean, not just your time today, but like everything you're doing, do you feel like you're changing the world? Um, 
No, because I'm in this little bubble down here. So I don't get to encounter a lot of people. Like we're locked down and I work from home. Yeah. I see a few people, but then I talk to people like you or I get emails or, you know, Celine tell me something. I'm like, yay, we're making a big movement and it's impacting people. It makes uh, yeah, the ripples, the ripples are going Truly, oh, fantastic. They are. I mean, you are you're changing the world. I know you're changing lives. So keep oh, please keep doing what you're doing. We need you, girl. Yay, thanks. And I can finally say that our book is pre-order on what? Amazon. It's What's called the Next it? Le- the name Next of it Level. Next Level. So you can pre-order it, and it's all about Perry and postmenopause. And also, um, I'm going to make sure everyone watches your TED Talk if they haven't already. Oh, thanks. And also, if you are a nutrition coach like myself, or you just are interested in it, I mean, there's a lot of people that just want to learn, cannot recommend enough the perimenopause for women or the perimenopausal course for athletes. And then oh, the thanks. Women Are Not Small Men course as well. I'm also doing that course right now, oh, going cool. more slowly because I just launched a program. You know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing at a time, Kylie. God. Yeah. (laughs) That's all right. That's how we do it, right? That's right. We do all the things. Yep. Check out Stacey Sims. That's one M, not two. Yes. And (laughs) no E, just Y. That's Y. (laughs) Well, again, Stacey, thank you so much for your time today. And I can't wait to get this out there for everyone to hear it. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again for listening to Here's the Deal. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Make sure you are following me on Instagram at the Kylie Larson. That is K-Y-L-I-E-L-A-R-S-O-N. So you are up to speed on all of my latest podcast episodes and also any upcoming programs that I offer.